Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Now through June 29th, you can earn up to four times rewards points on your favorite products throughout the store at Safeway. Shop for items like Coca-Cola products, Deer Park Natural Spring Water, Dannon Light and Fit Yogurt, Mott's Original Applesauce, Heinz Ketchup, and McCormick Spices. And earn up to four times bonus reward points to use for discounts on gas or groceries. Visit Safeway.com or download the Safeway for You app to earn your reward points today. Offer valid through June 29th. See store for more details. If you want legendary service, if you want sweeter discounts, drop under Linwick and Sherrod, see what it's all about, switch to insurance. Get a quote and save by bundling auto and home with insurance. And welcome to this spoiler review for episodes four and five of Willow, brought to you by the Geek Buddies. <gasps> hey! Hey! Well, we survived our trip into Wildwood, and we are back out to do our review of episodes four and five and have some fun, fun breaking down Willow. We missed last week, our apologies. So we're catching up this week with all three of us available here, and we're talking about the whispers of Nakmar. And Wildwood. We're going to get into all of that here. But first, let's introduce ourselves. I'm the outlaw, John Roca, writer, producer, and host here on The Geek Buddies. I am Michael Vogel. I'm a writer and producer of animated TV shows and movies. And this is Shannon McClung. I'm an animation writer and a television actor where you're going to get to see me next month on the first episode of the third season of Party Down. Yeah, Party Down. Hey! hey. <laughs> I think we should do a special Greek buddy reviewing that episode and Shannon's performance. I think that would Done. Be Done. <laughs> get, the ni- get the knives out. <laughs> thought, the epi- thought the actors were all really great, except for one. One. What was he doing for here? I don't know. Uh, we might have those questions on this uh, review as well. But anyway, let's get into it here. Uh, we're going to have some fun. And big shout out to Carbon Health, who continues to power and sponsor us into 2023. Please head on over to CarbonHealth.com or download their app so you can have a doc in your pocket for any of those holiday healthcare questions that pop up amongst yourself or your friends and your family uh and, all right so let's dive into this thing overall we're gonna do them both so whispers of Nakmar certainly uh focusing on the fact that they're going into this castle from the first movie connected uh to the grandmother to bab morta there uh, kit's grandma and everything that goes on here some really interesting stuff that goes on with all of these characters some unique pairings uh and the, the whole time we're trying to f- uh save graden Graydon becomes the focus of this episode as we find out that there's a little more to Graydon than we thought and that uh, little whispering between him and his father from the first episode is bearing a little bit of fruit. He's been the great mystery, in my opinion, throughout this whole series. So we see him uh, find out that he has a, he had an older brother that, of course, looked a lot like Tony Revolori, and he killed him uh, when he was possessed 
the first time. So he's possessed again here. So clearly this guy is, is um, I don't know, he's just got an easy, uh, easily possess- possessable soul, apparently. Uh, and we see more here with Alora. We see more with Kit and Jade. Jade seeing images of her father. Uh, there Whoa, as well. Spoiler we up... alert! We don't find that out till the next episode, buddy. Just slow it down. Oh well, I apologize. Images of a big dude in a skull and a sword, <laughs> but we end up on the top of the castle of Nakmar, where everything comes to fruition. As Willow is subdued by some weird thing that's coming out of the castle walls, there they eventually, <laughs> um, uh, Laura eventually breaks the rules thanks to Kit's suggestion and uh, is able to take the evil out of uh, Graydon for now. And uh, we are all better in the next morning running off. Um, and then we find out that the Gales are after them as we go into episode five. So, uh, Michael, overall, what are your thoughts on episode four? I saw a lot of people saying this is maybe their favorite episode of the series so far. What did you think about this one? It, listen, man, I'm going to tell you. Let me tell you about this show. <laughs> um, I will read to you. I sent this text to a yes. friend of mine, and then I yes. sent it to roca and shannon as we were discussing here here's what i think about willow yeah i said willow walks this incredibly fine line between great ideas and poor execution that makes it teeter on not being good but gives me just enough to keep me engaged and wanting to know what's going to happen next and both of these episodes really sort of sum that up it is listen I'm an unabashed lover of that original movie. I was at the right age when I saw it. I love this universe. I never thought that I was going to get more stories in this universe. Mm. So I love just kind of being there. In addition to that, and I think we said this after the very first two episodes, I think they created some really fun, engaging characters and some really great character dynamics within the group. I just, and on top of that, I think the broad ideas, this old crone across the sea that is the yeah. one who sort of recruited Bavmorda to get her to kill Laura Dannon and now is trying to finish the job. Laura Dannon's now all grown up. Uh, did John, Ro- did you just disappear and yeah. turn into what George, the, George Lopez? What is happening? Sorry, guys. Uh, uh, the, uh, here you go. Here, let's take uh, the camera down. Sorry, keep going, Mike. Keep going. Don't worry about me. Don't talk about uh, the old crone that way. She's going to be clearly. Someone's... Uh, Someone's putting a curse on Roka's screen over there. What the crap? <laughs> You're seeing behind the scenes. Here we go. All right, let's keep going. Um, but no, I just think that all the big ideas, so the old crone wanting to finish the job, Alora Dannon being grown up but not knowing what she's supposed to do to become this great prophesized leader, yeah. Willow not being the legendary sorcerer that he thought he was, um, you know, Borman being having worked with Mad Mart again, the relationship with Kit, the relationship. Like, they've got just a wealth of stuff. Like, when they came up with all these ideas and pitched it in the room, Kathleen Kennedy was like, this is great. And she was not wrong. The execution, however, is a little messy and a little all over the place. And so it it you watch it and you want it, it's good enough that you want it to be better than it is. That's kind of how I feel about Willow. Um now, as for this specific episode, I get why people think it's their favorite episode. I mean, this was the one that most directly was just really, really tied to the original movie. I mean, yeah, they're in the castle at Nakmar, a lot of talking about Bavmorda. But in addition to that, Alora Dannon kind of going down into the into this uh, hallway mm-hmm. and us seeing the scene from the very beginning of the first movie where her mother was killed and seeing yeah. Bavmorda take the life and then having General Kale show up and then going and having the grand finale of this uh, episode be in the tower where Willow defeated Bavmorda uh, and then seeing the realization 
Um, although I have an issue of this in the next episode, but seeing the realization that what nobody knows is that Willow kind of just tricked Bavmorda. He didn't mm-hmm. cast any epic spell. He did his old disappearing pig trick. And so there was a lot of really interesting stuff in here, yeah. but it was just messy. Yeah. It's just mm-hmm. kind of messy. You just, characters are kind of doing things like Borman goes on this whole journey to kind of unlock this room that sounds like there's like a great fucking party going on in the other room, but that doesn't really go anywhere. And then he, yeah. he thinks that the, uh, he thinks that the piece of the cuirass is missing, but it's the Vox not. Arcana. And, yeah, yeah. Yeah. The lot the Vox Arcana. And, you know, so there's just, they're, they're moving around a lot of pieces and in general, they're moving in the right direction, but it's just not really gelling the way that, uh, say, Andor. You know, when you look at some of the yeah. other shows that are on Disney Plus, where you see like where like everything is at the top of its game, and that story is just propelling itself forward. Yeah. This one seems to sort of be stumbling through the wilderness. Yeah, Shannon, we've all turned in that term paper when we didn't do enough homework, and we're just like, and then very, 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 we're trying to fill up the words, we're trying to, you know, <laughs> repeat our points in new and interesting ways, but they're the same points, thinking we can fool the teacher, and it kind of feels that way when you're watching Willow, and especially these last two episodes, we're just focusing on episode four for right now, but certainly, I liked this episode, but I agree with Michael, it was a bit messy, things were presented that weren't necessarily brought to fruition, and um, all of a sudden they're near each other and you're seeing Borman uh, having these questions and wanting to like manhandling kit, which Jade has to stop. Uh, we see uh, Alora Dannon, who was like really nervous about her magic. All of a sudden kit tells her you can do it. I saw you do it. Break all the rules. Ah, you know, there's these weird kind of ways that they're solving these issues that don't feel organic or correct. They just feel shoved in so we can get to the next thing. Cause we're trying to get to this overall ending of the entire series. What did you think about this? I mean, we had the 13th night brought up in this thing. We had more going on with the visions as Michael was talking about as well. Uh, and we see that we hear about the blood of the six. We hear about the worm, the, the order of the worm. So in essence, Bev Morda is now kind of retconned as being somewhat innocent that she was groomed and conditioned uh, to be this. Innocent I mean, is, innocent I wouldn't say is innocent. A, Fine, but they're trying to explain away the fact that she was evil. Like, oh, she got taken when she was young and got programmed <laughs> and therefore, eh, is it so bad? So I don't know. It seemed weird the way they were trying to do this. What did you think about this episode? Well, one, your analogy uh, of uh, really just brought me back to college and all the times that I had to fill up space in a term paper. <laughs> uh, um, but um, yeah, look, I mean, like this is sort of their bottle episode. Oh, um, uh, yeah, good point. Yes. It was, I, I love a haunted castle, haunted house vibe. I mean, everything about this on the page kind of worked like yeah. like it, sort of in the in, in the broad strokes i mean i love the fact um that they leaned into the movie so much i think that is kind of where the show's the strongest now granted a lot of the stuff about the spell like i haven't seen that original movie in a while so mm-hmm. i don't know how much of that is actually connected but i certainly know what bav morta looks like and so when you see her in that uh, like in that tapestry and then we see you know that you know the shots that they were able to weave into the movie um the moment where we see uh Alora Dannon's mom and saying she's here she's gonna come back she's gonna do this there were so many strong parts of this I mean General Kale coming back played by the late great Pat Roach who was also the German mechanic and Raiders of the Lost Ark I mean there was so much stuff that was fun but some of those individual quests as Vogel put don't really go anywhere. I mean, yeah. Borman's Borman's thing is funny is that he drinks this expired wine, 
thinks there's this, you know, th- there are these women on the other side of this door. Now, now you you put a locked door in, in, in a situation like this. It's like, don't open that door. There's something bad on the other end. And <laughs> we don't. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's just kind of like, oh, OK, so what was the point of that? Um, you know, we, we do get the whole thing about, you know, whatever happens, don't go into the high tower. Like we, we do we do get to some of that and we get some really good performances from Tony Revolori here. Yeah. I mean, the moment where he says, you know, give me some water peck. I mean, that is a very effective line, but by the end, it just doesn't quite come together. I mean, I feel like the series as a whole needed a couple more rewrites to kind of shore everything up because you get these great ideas that we don't necessarily get to capitalize on. Yeah. And by the end, I mean, you kind of, you know, you get Nakmar the next morning and very similar to the movie. Like, you know, once, once they've, once they've, you know, won the day, it's sort of like, Oh yeah, this terrible castle, maybe it's not so bad. Um, yeah. So <laughs> in the ultimately yeah. I, I love the stuff that they were going for, but as Vogel said, in the execution, they just didn't quite get there. Yeah. And also we're seeing that there is a gulf or a divide, I would argue. And I may, I, I'm trying to walk into this minefield carefully here, but we're seeing that there's a divide between the ones who can really bring multiple levels to their performances and the ones who kind of can't and the material, uh, you know, they kind of go down to the material. And that's that's the separation, I think, between a, a really damn good actor and a good actor is the one who can make material that isn't 100 percent there or kind of messy, as you said, Vogel, really bring out the life. And Revelory, I think, is doing a fantastic yeah. job here. He's mm-hmm. really come to the forefront. And Erin Kellyman as well. Like she is. Those are the two that I'm watching more than anybody else. To, and Borman, of course. I mean, that just goes without saying he's an older actor. But for the younger actors, you're seeing that there's a gulf and divide when the material isn't there you're seeing the holes in their abilities uh, for the ones that can't quite get there. And the ones that can are, you're just kind of even more on their side because of what they can bring out uh, in the material that isn't a hundred percent there. Yeah. And I would also say some of this, I won't place it all on the actor. I well, mean, no, no, I do think I, I, I'm clearly well, no, no, I mean, I do, I do agree. There are stronger performers in this ensemble, yeah, yeah, yeah. but I think where the think writing balancing the show for me, the personally. writing doesn't always help the actors who are not as strong. I right. mean, I think, I think the comedy with Borman is 75% great. I think they push mm-hmm. it too far too many times because we get some tonal issues. I mean, a Laura yeah. Dannon, she goes back and forth between being this, you know, really frightened young girl to where she's kind of cracking jokes. And it's like, you, you got to pick a lane, in, you know, in certain moments, you can't go back and it, forth. I mean, you, there is room for that levity, but not the way they're doing it. Yeah. It, it's well, it isn't like, as you guys are saying it, you know, you kind of go through and you're like, there's two, there's two columns and you're like trying to check both boxes and you're like, mm. great actor, great material. And Borman is Borman is a great actor who, Sometimes that's a great material, but like for this episode specifically, as Shannon said, his entire plot line is there's this giant creepy locked door with something behind it that's probably really yeah. bad. Oh, yeah. this is going to go somewhere interesting, and it goes absolutely nowhere. Um, but he's a great performer. Anytime he's yeah. on screen, you are, all right, Borman's, on, Borman's there. Uh, you can see with both uh, Kellyman and Revelori, like why they're getting cast and everything. Like yes. they are just great performers. So even though... Uh, I think in this episode, Revelory got a lot to play with. You know, we did yeah. find out more about his past. He got to play a possessed person. He he was just, he was making the most. It was like a double check. Great performer in this episode, had great material. Great. Uh, you know, Jade kind of goes back and forth between, she sort of has plateaued. I mean, a lot mm-hmm. happens in the next episode with her, but she sort of plateaus into, 
I want to be a knight. I care about you, Kit. I don't really know what to do. And beyond that, this episode, you're sort of like, okay, great performer, mediocre material. And then, yeah, like Kit, she, she's got a lot to play. I mean, in this episode, she got to play a little bit of the, I'm part of, you know, I'm part of Bad Morta's bloodline. Am I really mm-hmm. evil? Whatever. But I don't know that she's quite getting there all the time. And then Laura Dannon, uh, she, she's got not the strongest actress, but she has something at least to me that's really interesting is this idea of someone who is told their entire life that they're going to absolutely change the world and yeah. do all of it. Basically, she's like, hey, you're Jesus. <laughs> and you're like, you know, like you're, you're fantasy Jesus. And she's like, I yeah. bake muffins. Like, yeah. I, I have literally no idea what to do. And then she has this teacher in Willow who she's finding out is not everything he's cracked up to be. That is a great story to tell. Uh, not telling it the best way. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. What do we think about Eric coming through uh, Graydon and then seeing the Eric walking amongst the ruins at the end of the show, of this episode? So, what do you guys think about how they're kind of dropping the mystery of Eric and touching base with that as we see couplings starting to happen? Certainly, Graydon is getting closer to Alora. Uh, we're getting that vibe there, and certainly uh, Kit and Jade will pursue this in the next episode. So where's Eric's um, um, place in all of this? And it, they keep alluding to the fact that the blood of Bev, Bev Morta is still coursing through Kit and Eric's veins. Are we setting up this whole quest to save Eric and turns out that Eric is actually going to be um, groomed himself into being the villain of the piece down the road. What do you guys think about this? I mean, I certainly think that Eric has the has the potential to be the vessel for you know for the withered crone. Like, I, yeah. I certainly think that's I certainly think that's a possibility in terms of like Eric talking during that possession scene. Like, that wasn't Eric. <laughs> I mean, that was right. Fair point, but yeah, the way like, they tricking that was uh, Alora. Yeah, yeah. That was the three hundred year old demon that was ravaging Graydon, which a great yeah. moment in between Graydon and Borman. Like, dude, please don't say ravage. Like, that was a re- <laughs> like they had some very. It's so weird, like like finding that balance, finding those right moments of levity in in a serious situation like that one. They got there with others. They don't Um, right now. I mean, Eric is is essentially our MacGuffin. Like he's he's what we're going after. I mean, and then getting the glimpse of that immemorial city. uh, It's kind of like, okay, so this is some this is some ancient city. He's basically they're left unattended right. which kind of says like okay yeah they're not worried about him leaving because he eventually is going to be the vessel for this evil right right what do you think about yeah, it yeah i mean I, well i think it's in, i mean like, again we'll see how the execution goes <laughs> but like him waking up in this epic ruined city is a great end to an episode like yeah. you're just like okay like what the like you expect him to be locked in a tower and he's not and it's right. just like this place is in ruins and what's going on you're like that's really cool stuff the fact that as we're looking at the makeup of all these characters, you've got the Kit and Jade relationship, but you've got this Graydon-Alora thing happening that leads into the next episode. But Alora's like, I'm in love with Eric. But as Kit keeps saying, like, he's kind of not uh, not the truest of loves. Maybe, right. maybe he really loves you. But... So you're creating this really interesting triangle and, be, and you're establishing Graydon as someone who... Uh, apparently catches COVID a lot if COVID is demon possession. Like, just like, like, all right, I was possessed when I was a kid. I just got possessed now. So we're like, is Graydon the bad guy? But as you said, with Eric and with Kit, well, you have Bathmorda's blood. So you're kind of playing this. So you have this person who is, you know, fantasy Jesus. And the two guys that are in her love triangle, both are sort of equally likely to be pure evil, Mm. maybe. So 
again, you know, you, you see the difference in, because this happens a lot, of sitting in those early meetings at Lucasfilm where everyone is just like laying out the story of these episodes and you're like, all right, so like, guys, Alora Dannon's grown up, but she's not confident right. and Willow is not sure how to do this because he's not as great a sorcerer as everybody believes him to be. And then you've got this prince from, you know, you've got Graydon and you like, you lay it all out and you're like, this is very engaging and interesting stuff. Right. And then you watch it and you're like, huh. I mean, it looked good when you pitched it. I was down. And look, when you look at the characters, surely if you're a person that's around the age of these actors or these characters, you can connect to this, right? You can see that, you know, when you're still figuring out your emotions, you can make jokes and then be super serious the next moment. That's what frustrates parents when they're raising teenagers. You totally get it. You can't, there's, they can't pick a lane, Shannon, as you said, they're kind of all over the place because they're figuring themselves out. So you can understand why you want to play these characters in a certain way. Certainly Kit seems to be the spoil sport in all of this. You know, she's the one that was like, well, let's just kill Graydon. Fuck it. And he doesn't be done with it. You know? And there was like, what the hell are you talking about? So you see that she is, she thinks she's making these strong decisions because she wants to kind of prove herself also because of the stuff that jade said that she let her win when they were fighting so you see that she wants to have this kind of moment to prove herself and certainly people can connect to that with Graydon, this idea of being a sick kid being a young i mean there are people obviously young people who go through that who, who go yeah. through being sick as a young age and then what they come out of they want to fight out of it but they're always afraid to get sick again because what it can do to them certainly that's an element here. And, and we have the letdown of the people who are older. Willow, you know, slowly alluding to the fact that he's not as strong as he thinks he is, being let down by the older generation, by our parents, by the people who are supposed to be our guides. Certainly that's there. The problem, and I think, Mike, you nailed it, and Shannon, you've alluded to it as well, it's not quite fully connecting, but the bones look great. It's I, just when you put it together, the puzzle isn't quite fitting as well as you would like it to, you know? I'm going to say something. Oh, boy. Here we go. And I know that half the people listening to this are going to get mad at me, but I do kind of mean this as a compliment. Watching Willow, this watching the Willow TV series, it reminds me of the way I felt when I watched the Star Wars prequels. Oh, here we go. And I know, oh, boy. And I know that half of our audience oh, boy. grew up on the prequels and is younger than us and is like, how fucking dare you? The prequels are the best movies in the Star but, but, But But when I watch, when I go oh, back and watch the prequels now, no, no, no. But like when I, cause like, look, I, I have grown to appreciate the prequels because I think ex it's exactly what you just said. When you pull back and you look at what George Lucas laid out yeah, yeah. with the Jedi Council and the Clone Wars themselves and Kamino, and you look at what Filoni and the whole team has done with it in Clone Wars, the animated series, in the Bad Batch, in every, in Rebels and everything that has come out of it. The yeah. prequels are arguably the most interesting part of the Star Wars saga from the bones of it. Mm -hmm. Now, the execution of it, yeah. when I was when I watched those in theaters, some of the wooden performances, some of the story jumps, some of the like the execution of the prequels leaves a lot to be desired. Right. And as we're talking about the series now, and I think this is what kind of keeps me watching it, is as much as it's a little clumsy and they're kind of stumbling through the beats that they've laid out 
the beats are gold. Yeah. Like this, like what they have established here, what this is, what they've established here, somebody comes over to Lucasfilm and says, I want to do a high-end Willow animated series that leads off from the TV series and takes all these characters and runs with it. And you find the Willow version of a Dave Filoni who loves this world so much and is going to run with it. This could open up Willow to become a huge piece of Lucasfilm because the bones are there. Yeah. The execution is uh, is not. Yeah, yeah. Shannon, any final words on this episode before we jump off into the next one? I mean, lot. there's a lot of good stuff in this. And I would say the majority of this episode, I, I, I did really enjoy. And I do like the fact that we're finding out more about the Graydon character. Hmm. Um, by the end, though, th- there is kind of that big leap where Graydon's taking off taking off his binds and Allura's like, oh, what happened? He's like, oh, well, Willow, Willow has Willow's the leash now. We have to go to the... We have to go to the uh, uh, high tower, and he he lets it be Alora's suggestion. Which, from a writing standpoint, like, oh yeah, that's smart. Then Willow shows up. It's like, so what happened? Yeah, he just got <laughs> taken over by some you know toddler stone creature, and they, he couldn't do anything. So it was just there, it was convenient rather than organic, right? Yeah. There 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 are those leaps in logic that it's kind of like, okay, we're just not going to talk about it. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Who's going to move on? The sun's out. The sun's out. The sun's out. Guns out. Um, all right. Anyway, let's uh, let's take a quick break, and we're going to jump into episode five here and talk about Wildwood uh, right after this. Jesse Kelly here. If given the choice between financial stress or peace of mind, I will always choose peace of mind. In today's world filled with inflation worry, bank closures, market instability, and the current global economic environment, peace of mind is everything to me. That's why I have secured gold and silver from Oxford Gold Group. Having precious metals in your home safe or in your 401k slash IRA should be considered for your investment strategy. Simply put, it's a portfolio protection plan. Whether you are a savvy investor or you are just curious how gold and silver can help you gain peace of mind, call my friends at the Oxford Gold Group. Securing your IRA or 401k with real gold and silver is as easy as one, two, three. One app, one call, and you pick your precious metals. That's it. You now own real precious metals just like I do. Call Oxford Gold today and ask about exclusive free bonus opportunities. Call 833-901-COIN. 833-901-COIN. That's 833-901-COIN. You've been so fast on the trigger, I felt we had to get it in there real quick. I didn't know you both were going to do it. I like that. All right. Um, let's move on to Wildwood here, episode five. Uh, this one is actually, you know, I've seen it get dinged a little bit, but I actually found myself enjoying this one a little bit uh, in spite of how I might have felt a little bit about how its messiness was bothering me by the end. But overall, they go into this, the Gales who were supposedly the scary ending of episode four, we just pick up with the Gales chasing them. Um, uh, Willow uses his magic to eviscerate one of them, a la Thanos with the snap. And then they all run into the Wildwood, and it almost has shades of the Princess Bride there, where you're going to, into that uh, forest and the rodents of unusual size and all of that. So it, we, we hear that if you go into this forest... It's a, it's a fire uh, swamp. It's a fire swamp. Sorry. Fire swamp, that's it, yeah. But we go into this forest that, of Wildwood that you'll be, you'll, you know, you're not going to want to leave, that it's going gonna, it's gonna to tempt you and trick you and all this kind of stuff. And what we find out when they're all in there is that um, they're being taken over by the Bone Reavers. The Bone Reavers kind of capture them, take them into their camp. We find out we meet Scorpia, and we find out that Scorpia had a relation has a relationship with Borman. Borman is a, he was a, when he went on this quest. They were all surprised that he survived 
going on this quest. And we find out that Scorpia and Jade are brother, are sisters, and they're from uh, their uh, their dad was Kale, who we saw General Kale, who we saw the vision of in Episode Four at the castle there. So that that leads to this whole celebration. You know, I got a brother, as uh, as Kevin Costner said in uh, Prince of Thieves. There, so we see the connection <laughs> between them, and so it's a celebration. What a, what a pull! What a pull! Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> they, they take the truth plums, aka ecstasy, and all of a sudden they're telling their real feelings and truths to each other. And we lead all the way to this moment. And we get more with Graydon and Alora, and some funny moments uh, with um, with Graydon wanting to know, like, is she talking about me? Has she mentioned me, Willow? Is she, you know, so and Willow being like the dad, being like, you know what? She's got to focus on saving the world. Why don't you calm your hormones down? But then we get Kit and uh, Jade kind of circling each other throughout the episode here. We see Kit being a little bit jealous of the Scorpio relationship, just in a look. But then, of course, later she has conversation with Alora and Alora, of all people, who she has been rejecting, making fun of, minimizing her connection to Eric, is the one she goes to for advice. And Alora is the one that tells her, hey, why don't you just say you're sorry? Don't even tell her what you're sorry for. Just say you're sorry. Say you're going to do better and say you'll be waiting Literally the advice that I've been giving John Roca for 25 years. Yeah, and it finally worked. Uh, But yeah, so, you know, because I picked better people. Uh, And then at the end there... We're about to get them kissing. And I thought this was great. I'm like a Disney Plus show showing a full-on kiss between the two main characters of their show. This is great. Great progress. And then, boom, the trolls show up to yank them out. Uh, and then now the trolls are here. But before we got to that, Kevin Pollock returns uh, as the one of the brownies. Was it Rule? As the Rule brownie. Rule. <laughs> that scene was so funny that I was so mad that we didn't get more. That is just a master comedian. In Kevin Pollock, and I don't know who the actress is who played his daughter. She was great vibing with him, all of this. So it was such a small cameo, and the fact that he didn't want to go on the adventure and he didn't want to go on the on the attack of these of the Bone Reavers, I thought was sad. But in the end, that's what we got: an ecstasy episode in the woods where truths were revealed, and now we find out that Jade is a Bone Reaver and that she was taken from her family to keep a war from happening with the bone reavers so kind of a weird situation and that kit's dad killed jade's dad so shannon i'll go to you first on this one what are your thoughts on wildwood what'd you feel about this overall did you like where he went with the characters did you like that this was a nice kind of filler episode but with with some information being laid out and relationships moved forward i mean look this goes to the the tonal issues of the show like the Mm. moment that they start and our heroes are running from the gales and we have a rock song playing i'm like there's a world where this works but you have to commit to this because you know they were using the pop songs during the credits i think this is the first time they used one in an episode and they use a couple during the episode because there's no rock songs in the credits but the rock songs are in the movie in the episode yeah like, I actually think there's there's a world where that show works, but I feel like five episodes in, it's a little late to to uh, employ employ this tactic. Yeah. Um, that sequence was a lot of fun. It's really funny watching our heroes comedically run away from bad guys. The fact that Willow pulls out the wand and does a blowtorch with, I mean, yeah. like, all that stuff was a lot of fun. Um, I did think it was interesting. Like, you know, they portrayed the Bone Reavers from episode one, like, yeah, these are some really bad people. And then when we see them, it's like, Hey, they do kind of look like General Kale. So I thought writing-wise, that was a clever way to kind of be like, hey, this is this is why the Bone Reavers were working with Bad Morda. Like she yeah, promised yeah, yeah. them they were the slaves of Galadorn. She promised them freedom. Like they are presenting some really interesting yeah. moral arguments um that that tie back 
to the first movie. Um, Borman has some really funny stuff in this episode. The, the moment where he's taking oh. a bath under the waterfall, I'm like, I wonder how Vogel, <laughs> Vogel's watching this this uh, section right now. Vogel, um, Vogel might have paused it a few times. <laughs> <laughs> the whole the whole section was really funny i love the fact he's like you know i barely escaped and like you know, i fought my way out as he comes out of this barrel he's spitting oil or mud or whatever that is well, no it was poop it was poop it was he climbed through a river of shit to come out clean on the other side it was absolutely uh feces so yeah that's what i did not make that connection i'm refusing to make that connection okay right fair now. enough <laughs> i've read a few reviews this morning who said it was poop so i'm just gonna i, go I think that. i think I think John's right. Oh, <laughs> it was but, troll poop. Okay. Why do they keep it in a barrel? Um, <laughs> what you put it in? The whole the whole section was very funny. I love the fact that we you know uh, we meet Scorpia, who ends up being Jade's big sister. Yeah. The whole tr- truth plum thing. It was like. Okay, <laughs> I mean, you're you know you're looking you're you're looking for a family appropriate way to have this kind of fun, druggy, boozed up scene. Yeah. It worked. I mean, I I do feel like Jonathan Kasdan borrows heavily from his dad a lot as Kit is having a drinking contest. Yeah. That's straight out of Raiders. Um, uh, I mean, I, I felt I like totally... that was almost. I thought I felt like that was almost intentional. It was so like I was like, yeah, they were they're giving us a Raiders moment here. <laughs> oh I yeah, mean, that I was re- totally intentional homage with the drinking. <laughs> Yeah, I totally. really hope so. Um, Kevin yeah. Pollack, I thought, was hilarious. Oh I mean, God. I think Kevin, Kevin Pollack is a brilliant performer. His daughter, the fact that she's wearing what looks like a graphic tee, I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> this goes back to the Hannah Waddingham is in, like, Lee Dungarees yeah. in the woods. I'm like, there are some really interesting uh, choices being made here that don't quite make sense to me. Again, there's a lot of fun stuff, but at this point... The show, the the show is what it is. Like, yeah. oh no, it's not going back. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I what, Toth I, is over there being uh, is going to be hosting the new uh, British baking show there. The the, uh, uh, the with his palate and his taste, we see that as well. Yeah, you can call me Laurie. <laughs> it's it it is. This is a this is a silly show. I imagine some folks that started it probably hopped off. Um, as you guys said, it gives us just enough to want to keep going, even though they make it difficult. Yeah, I was on the fence after episode three, but now I'm like, you know what? I, I like these characters and I do, and I it's messy, but I still want to see yeah. how they're going to land this plane. I've been on worst flights is what I'll say. So I, I'm still <laughs> that the pilot is yeah. going to land the plane here. Um, and I want to give a shout out to Amelia Vitale. That's who plays Ganoush. She's fantastic as the daughter. And Adwa Aboa, who plays Scorpia. So, Michael, yeah. your thoughts on this episode overall? I mean, I think you guys are right on. Like, like this episode, there's some things that just really irked me uh, yeah. from a storytelling standpoint, from a world-building standpoint, but also just kind of fun. Like the Reavers were fun. I mean, and, and to Shannon's point, yeah, they were fun. Everything with the Reavers at the party and the "you can call me Lori" and I don't know if this tastes right. Oh, you've got a really good palate. That's the proper time for that humor. That's mm-hmm. where that humor works in a nice slow scene where you're not high stakes and everyone's having a party and you just get silly. There was a lot of like Rebel Lori with the whole like, "How do I look?" And you're like, "Oh, yeah. well, girls like the beard." And he goes, well, "Why didn't you tell me that before?" Like, "Well, you didn't like that." It was all really oh, fun. Yeah. Like. Like Such a missed really- comedic moment when Laurie says, well, he doesn't have a girlfriend. And this this guy is a background performer. Yeah. I'm like, 
why didn't you have him do something? Have yeah, him like, drop his head. Bow his head down or go, really? And then walk off. That, yeah, yeah, I agree with you 100%. But uh, Scorpio was great. Also great oh, casting yeah. because the second she shows up and she's like going back and forth with Jade, I'm looking at the freckles on her face and I'm like, well, you two are sisters. <laughs> like you two, you two are clearly related. And then it was like, all right. Got it right. Um, but everything with her and Borman was really funny, kind of her taking him in. And then, talk, like, her and Borman, that whole scene where he was tied up, very reminiscent of Sorsha Mad Mardigan from the original Willow movie. Oh, and also, nice. just really, just two actors, kind of their repartee. Yeah. Really nice chemistry back and forth between them. Um, a couple things that irked me the brownie. So, Kevin Pollock was great. Lovely to see him. Yeah why they had these palatial brownie estates and why the reavers were like let's just let these houses be in our prison was like beyond me like like i would have been so down for revelory and willow to be that to be trapped and willow to see some little footprints and there was something and then like he was and he knew because he knew and then you and then like the whole scene could play out but when they walked into this like prison cell and there's three barbie dream houses painted white Attached to the rocks and he's like oh brownies and i'm like eh. and then this just is like one of those this is one coincidence too far that the one brownie that willow knows yeah happens to be living in the prison where he's i'm like okay guys like i'm super down for the my 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 former sidekick from the movie shows up and i really want him to come with me on this adventure and he says no and he kind of gives the handoff to 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 graden like again yeah. Story-wise, it's great. Execution-wise, I'm like, as an exe- as a former executive, I would be like reading this. I'm like, so you're telling me <laughs> he's just coincidentally living in this prison of all the places he could live? Yeah, yeah. Like, I think we need to maybe relook at that moment a little bit. <laughs> um, another thing that really irked me is a big part of this episode is because of the because of the truth plums. Mm. Um, Alora overhears yes. Willow yeah. saying that he isn't really the sorcerer that he said he was, which is lovely. And, and I love that there's this relationship, but this is one of those, I feel like this is one of those moments where you talk about things being a little sloppy in their execution. In the former episode at Nakmar, we get to visually see that Willow didn't do what he said he did. Right. Like we see the moment and, yeah. and you have this big moment where it's sort of revealed that he didn't cast some amazing spell from a show running standpoint. It would be stronger for Alora to have watched that and seen it with us. And we saw her reaction. And then the next episode is them having a heart to heart about what she saw and how she's disappointed. Like it's With just like, but Absolutely. because when you, because when you sort of split the moment up, like we, as the audience get this big thing that Willow kind of just played a trick which you know from the movie but you kind of see that he's not the sorcerer that he's been built up to be and then in the next episode Alora sees it but it's better if the audience and the characters all hit that moment at the same time mm-hmm. so there again the moment great the relationship between Alora and Willow great just wish it had been better executed but to what you guys are saying this is just a fun episode yeah uh I think the Jade reveal and the fact that she's Kale's daughter and the fact that Kale's daughter and Mad Mardigan's daughter are having this relationship but another thing that irked me about this to your point about their kiss mm. we've seen them kiss they kissed in the first episode that's true that's true but and, this was... which is great which yeah, is great yeah. but like again you have this whole moment with Kit and Alora in the in in the in the cell together before Alora busts them out, 
where Alora has this lovely speech where Kit's like, Jade's my Jade's my friend. Yeah. And Alora's like, she's more than that. We can all see. We pretend we don't see, but it's obvious. And because they came out so strong in the first episode showing the audience yeah. that Kit and Jade were basically a couple, that moment didn't play as strongly as it could have. If they had sort of dragged us along being like, Kit and Jade are best friends, but we sort of as the audience were like, they feel like they're more than friends friends mm. then Alora Dan and saying that to her in that moment leading her to go reveal her feelings would have been stronger so this gets into the nitty-gritty of why like it feels a little sloppy but like mm. these are the moments that when you're looking through you're like oh maybe save this moment for this part maybe have this character realize this when this happens visually so yeah. that's what I mean where all the ideas are really great um truth plums are hilarious to me yes the only time that a fantasy has done ecstasy better <laughs> is the Felix Felicitas potion in Harry Potter six. But, <laughs> but I, I think fantasy ecstasy is the funniest thing. And anytime that anybody tries to do it, it cracks me up. And I loved every moment when they're like, oh, just going to tell the truth. You can't stop. But when, when, when Alora looks around she's like, Hey, just tell her the truth. You can't help it on the plums. I was like, well, we've all been there. <laughs> we've all been there. Well, I mean, they pit, the thing that also the show does that kind of frustrates me is they pitch you something. And as we saw in the, in the, in the fourth episode, that uh, locked door, right, that doesn't have fruition, they pitch you this Wildwood being this place that will trick you and seduce you and make you want to stay. So are the Bone Reavers real? Is anything we know here right. real? Because then the trolls show up and yank them out. So what's the truth? It's Because it seems like Wildwood was a pretty good place for them all to stop and hang out and get some truths and yes did they cheat a little bit by just throwing all the exposition here and resolving some stuff through truth plums yeah it was convenient but and it would have worked as michael says the beats are there would have worked if they had built up to it in a better way but overall the idea here is that uh we were pitched that this, this is a dangerous a place to go in and even borman was like uh, just stick close to me i've got a plan and i'll get us out of here and really it seems like a cool place to be. If that's the truth, why wouldn't you want to well, stay in Wildwood? Why do you pick it as a place you don't want to be at? Yeah, It's a little bit, to your point, are you going to give us the episode where we go into the magical forest and magical creatures do things to us and truths are revealed or whatever, which is fine? Right. Or are is the forest not really that, but the Bone Reavers have sort of told the world that that's that so that people stay out of their forest you know, it's like it's like, and if and that, if that's that the worked. case, yes. And if that's the case, that's cool. Except that Borman clearly would have known that. Yeah. Borman knows either way. Like, so it's it's like there's like there's a little bit of those inconsistencies where you're like, well, wait a minute, why is Borman worried? Like, Borman knows the Reavers are there. He clearly has been there before, right? Yeah. Like, he's like, so what's uh? So there's just lots of stuff like that where. Again, it's all like it's like I feel like we're just dogging on these episodes, but I think the reason we're dogging on them is like I genuinely enjoy watching it. Like I have a blast watching it as I'm watching it and being like, oh, come on, guys. Yeah, I, I think we're balancing the criticism with the things that are working. I don't think we're dogging these episodes too hard. I think we are actually trying to bring out the stuff that we do enjoy. So I don't think we should be too hard on ourselves. I think we're being positive with, with the stuff we like. We I think we're being positive about it. Shannon, uh, um, what do you want to throw in on in this conversation as we've been going back and forth about this? I mean, look, there's a lot of fun sequences in this. I mean, yeah. across the board. I mean, the show oh, yeah, has the action. Had... Let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, this, it was all handled really well. I mean, as I said at the beginning, I mean, our hero heroes comedically running from a threat 
always funny. Yeah. Um, does it line up with how the Gales were introduced earlier? Not so much. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are just some, again, some 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 inconsistencies with the way things were laid out. I mean, this is I, I imagine this would have been a fascinating writer's room or writer's zoom uh, to be on the wall of <laughs> uh, to, to see how how certain things played out, because at the end of the day, in general, the you know, the person who is the last voice in the room it's your executive producer it's your showrunner right um so you know even though there there are some funny there are some funny bits of dialogue um throughout um i'd be curious to know like okay what was studio mandated what you know where like who who ultimately is making some of these decisions because for me it's when i'm in a room with vogel vogel's the boss i mean yeah. that's he he is creatively he is it. the Oh, hello. <laughs> oh, oh, I'm I'm aware, sir. <laughs> Creatively, the buck stops with him. So when you look at things that don't quite line up, yeah, because this is a big Disney project, like, okay, was this was this Jonathan Kasdan? Yeah. Was this Lucasfilm? Like, where <laughs> what is the source of the inconsistencies here? Yeah, I mean that's that's the thing that's kind of um, hitting me hard is is that I'm starting to kind of move away from this idea of Jonathan Kasdan and there's you know certainly my friends over at Resistance Broadcast System they have just uh, um, been pushing the Solo Two campaign for quite some time but I don't want Kasdan near it if they're going to do a Solo Two because if this is what I'm seeing with him with a little more time I'm just not a hundred percent satisfied I think his instincts are great it's the execution as Michael and Shannon have been pointing out that we're having issues with. Um, what do we feel about the, f- let me ask you this. I don't, I don't want to say the term that everyone has used in these situations, but Alora Danon is moving quickly in her abilities uh, throughout every episode. And Willow is doing the minimal amount of training that you can do and get, if Mickey trained Rocky like this, he'd have never gotten out of the first round. So to me, I'm just like, I'm a little confused about how this is all happening. I don't want to use that term, but it does feel like, they're having her advance really quickly, episode to episode, and not a lot of time is passing in between these episodes. She's able to make the stew. She was able to break out of this prison with the explosion thing. She sucked the demon out of, of Graydon. So it just feels like, well, why is Willow around if he's really not going to train her? So I don't, what do you guys think? Well, look, my do- is what I'm saying. I think you're a little bit off base, okay. but but I think the reason you're off base is because it's not being handled as smoothly as it could be. Like mm. Willow's not a great teacher. I mean, like yeah. the, like everything, everything. Like we want Willow to be the big teacher because oh, Willow is the hero of the first movie. But from the moment this Sorsha tells Willow in that second episode, you're not a great sorcerer. And everything that we are learning about Willow is he was never that great a sorcerer. He he has the ability to channel magic. He had yeah. some visions, but when he channeled that magic at the battle of the uh, goat, whatever it was, yeah, oh, uh, the slaughtered lamb. There it is, slaughtered lamb. Yeah. Um, it like it almost wiped him out, and he right, doesn't right. really know what he's doing as a teacher. And I think that moment that you were talking about in the last episode at Nakmar where Kit kind of tells Alora to throw out the rules. Yeah. I mean, clearly what they are setting up is that Alora, if she just doesn't worry about it, if she just does what her instincts tell her, she's pure magic. She was the child of prophecy. She's got this. She doesn't she's going to be able to do it, but I think that they're kind of doing this whole Willow thinks he has to do this and be Alora Dannon's teacher, but ultimately 
he just needs to be there to protect her. Like, I don't know what they're yeah. where they're going quite with it, but they're clearly setting up that Alora, when she just does what her instincts say she should do, she's successful. She walked right out, she walked right through the barrier yeah. in the first episode. Uh, when she didn't worry about what she was supposed to do with Graydon and just did what she wanted to do, she did something super powerful. And even with the wand, like, I don't think that there's, I don't think that they are, uh, Mary suing her, which I oh. think is the dumbest term, but I, I said that's why I didn't I said, want to use gonna, it. That's why I didn't want to I'm use saying it because I think it's a dumb, it's a Fair. dumb term that gets Fair. way overused by a lot of dumb dumbs on Twitter. But yeah, it's incorrect, um, yes, because she, you know, she yeah, she blew a hole in the in the cell to get she and Kit out, but then she threatened Lori and had no backup to that. Like she doesn't really right. know what she's doing. Like anytime they have her do something, they follow it up. She did the same thing at the slaughtered lamb where she like threatened them and said, I'm a Laura Dan and I'm going to do this thing. And then like, couldn't do anything. So if she all of a sudden was coming out swinging and was just like shooting magic spells left and right, I'd be like, okay, well this, I don't know where this is going, but they're clearly setting up the trust your gut. And Willow as a teacher is kind of making you do the opposite of that. You still need training though, Mike. You don't you? Well, there's plenty of natural animators, but they still need to figure out how to work within a system or be trained how to kind of hone the edges and all. I mean, from your experiences, you guys, like, you know, Shannon didn't just start writing uh, magical, uh, great episodes. It took some time. Everybody oh, no, has he did. talent. No, he did. He's, he's perfect. Apologies. <laughs> <He's perfect. laughs> I mean, like, no matter how great you are, you still need to have great football players or any sport players. They have not, LeBron had natural talent, but he still needed to have good coaches to bring out the natural talent to figure out what to do. So it just kind of feels like a little like break, you know, I don't know. It just feels a little bit like I want to spend more time with this situation. Yeah. But I think you're absolutely right. It's it's the fact that they haven't set it up correctly that it feels like it's moving way faster well, than it should. And I don't think we're far away from her being like using all the spells. And if that well, starts to happen, what's the point of Willow then at that point? And this is well, the titular character. So that what they've really set up, and I'm really curious to see where they land it, is kind of what's the point of Willow. Yeah. He's not, he's not this like they are it is a giant neon sign on the show saying Willow is not the great sorcerer that he's every episode is undercuts his legacy more and more from the first movie. So I'm just like, why are we doing this? Yeah. Well, I think it's like what was and and again, I could be completely off on this, but Willow's what made Willow a hero in the first movie was not that he was a great sorcerer. Right. He did he did some really good magic. He transformed Finn Rizal. He did some things, but even at the end of the movie, his disappearing picture, he was just there for Alora. He was yeah. there for Alora when nobody else was. And right. now he's kind of stepping into this role of what he thinks he needs to be because the stories said he has this. And Alora Dannon is trying to step into this role because this is what the stories say she needs to be. But the show seems interested in that big gulf between what the stories say you are versus what you really are. Right. And then resolving that. So I think that that's that the the solution is going to be Willow does something amazing, not because he's a sorcerer, but because he's there for Alora. He's her friend. He's there. Like I think that's ultimately where it's going to go. Okay. Um, but yeah, like there's there's easy things. Oh, go ahead. What were you going to say? I was just, uh, I was going to go to Shannon on this, but uh, go ahead. Finish up your point. Sorry. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. All right. Shannon, what are your thoughts on all of this? Because uh, I know we got a few more minutes and we got to wrap up. So. What are your thoughts on the Alora situation with Willow? And, you know, did Mike pretty much nail it uh, in his overall analysis? Yeah. Okay. When she does magic, it's by instinct or it's by accident. And so oh, everything yeah. that we're seeing, we are seeing a natural progression of her abilities because prior to this, she didn't know she had those abilities. Right. So the more she's around it, the more that she 
is surrounded by it, the more they are going to manifest. Now, now, ideally, like we would have seen a more satisfying progression, but we're not going to see her at her full power until the finale. Because right. if you get to episode six of eight and suddenly she's hurling fireballs, it's like, okay, well, where where do we go from here? But what Vogel said, what he touched on that I thought was really, really interesting is the whole idea of what you are, what you actually are versus what you've been told you are. Mm -hmm. And it's not just with Willow and Allure. We're seeing that with everybody. We're seeing that with General Kale. We're seeing that with Galadorn, like this heroic army that we saw in the first, uh, in the first movie or in the film. Um, We find out like, Ooh, they actually did some bad shit. And that's why this happened. So I I do think like, that's what we're going to get to. Like we, we see that Willow, is he the greatest sorcerer? No, but can he do some stuff? Yes. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't necessarily mean that he's the child of prophecy like Alora Dannon is. Fair enough. I also um, think really quickly, I, just, yeah. I know we're wrapping up, but like yeah. it would have been a really easy thing because I think the most magical thing that she's done, uh, both from a story standpoint and from a visual standpoint, is getting rid of the curse on Graydon. Yes. Getting that demon out of him. Uh, and then I think that had they just followed up that episode with Alora Dannon being like, fuck did i just do yeah 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 yeah. like what just happened and willow being like yes that's what you need and she's like but i didn't do like if they had made a bigger deal out of her being like totally freaked out by what just happened but everyone kind of took it as well she's lord dan and she did a magic thing but if in the story everyone had been like uh so i thought you didn't know magic and she's like i don't know magic and they're like well you just did some major magic and like every and then willow had been more feeling shitty about it. Like he was like, you know, he's supposed to be this great teacher and she did something that he never told her to do, you know? And if anything, what he was telling her to do was not solving the problem. And then when she did the opposite, it worked. So had they like let those consequences and those characters, their natural reaction to that play out, I don't think it would have come across as much as it came across to you as she's way too powerful. Yeah, fair. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. It's good points. Um, let's wrap up there. And uh, real quick, uh, 30 seconds or less. Trolls, what are we getting from them in the next episode? Shannon, I'll go to you first. We are getting practical makeup, which should be fun. <laughs> okay, Michael, <laughs> thoughts on Trolls? 30 seconds or less? I mean, I loved the Trolls in the first Willow movie when they finally yeah. showed up and the whole battle in the in the ruins of Tiraz with the Trolls and Willow and the giant two-headed dragon. Like, when I was a kid, that was just the epic. Like I was like, this is great. So it'll be fun to see the Trolls return. Uh, I am sure that the ideas behind the trolls will be great and the execution will leave me wanting, but I am on this train and I am riding it all the way to the station. Yep, and we're almost there. We're almost at the station. So the plane is, (laughs) I mean, the masks haven't come down, so the plane is still uh, somewhat okay and hopefully going to land. All right, well, there you go. Thank you all so much for watching this spoiler reviews, uh, spoiler review episode of of episodes four and five of Willow. We appreciate it. Madly, Shannon, what do we have to tell them? Yeah, if you'd like to follow us on social media, on Twitter, it's at geek underscore buddies, on Instagram at the underscore geek underscore buddies. If you'd like to follow me on social media, on Twitter, it's at Shannon underscore McClung, on Instagram at Shannon the Geek Buddy. If you would like to follow Mr. Vogel, it is at MK Tune. If you would like to follow Mr. Roca, it is at The Roca Says. Mikey? Um, if you like trolls and truth plums, come and hang out with us. Uh, we, we're here to talk about all. Team next year. 
Trolls. That's my yeah. I'm gonna, that's my yeah. That's it. That's my band name. Trolls and Truth Plums. Um, look, here's what you guys can do to help us keep talking about all the geeky stuff that we love. Definitely hit that like button below. Subscribe to Johnny's Outlaw Nation page. Leave your comments below. Let us know what you're thinking of this episode. Do you disagree with us? Are you loving it? Are you hating it? Are you somewhere in between? Let us know what you think about Willow. If you are listening to us on a podcast, leave us uh, some stars. Leave us some comments. Helps us go up in the rankings. And as always, the best thing that you guys can do is retweet this video, post it on your socials, send it to your friends, and tell them to hang out with your buddies, the Geek Buddies. That's right. And listen, we've done a lot. This is our last show for the week here. We've got a Avatar Way of Water spoiler review out now. We've got our regular show that's out now. So over Christmas, as you're hanging out, relaxing, catch up on our stuff, listen to our shows. We will not do any shows next week, so we want to wish you a happy holidays and also a great new year. And we'll be back in 2023 with our main show and to wrap up this conversation on Willow as we get episode seven and eight as well. So look for that. So we send our best to all of you. Take care of yourselves. Be well. Uh, and of course, big shout out to Carbon Health, carbonhealth.com. Go and visit them today for any of your healthcare questions, concerns, or needs, or download the app to have a doc in your pocket. All right. Have a great time. And we'll talk to you next time with another brand new episode, a review episode or regular episode here from the Geek Buddies. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.